Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. So do you think this was Bruce Arians' fool me once season? And will Arians give Winston one more year because releasing him would be the equivalent of the so-called quarterback whisperer admitting failure? Will O.J. Howard be on this football team a year from now? And is there any way that the Bucks can bring back Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David, and Jameis Winston? We'll have all your mailbag questions answered 100% correctly on this edition of Sports Day Tampa Bay. I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times, along with producer Steve Versnick. A lot of questions on the Buccaneers. I'm sure we got questions on other sports as well. So, uh, Steve, I'm ready to jump right into it. Happy New Year to you. Happy New Year. Yes, it's 2020 now, so can't can't believe it. Y2K was not that long ago. <laughs> you know, I got a Y2K story for you. Go for it. Real quickly. I know nobody will care. That's <laughs> why so I'm going to do it, because it's our podcast. So Y2K, if those uh, youngsters out there that don't remember what that means, this is when the, the calendar went from 1999 to 2000, and they thought the world might stop. I mean, legitimately, you know, the, what will the computers do? Well, when what they wrote the, the computer do? codes, they only mm-hmm. put two d- digits for the date, 83, 84, Correct. 85. Mm-hmm. So the thought was is that 00, zero meant 1900 in the way the computer software was written, which mm-hmm. was done in the early 80s, I believe. So mm-hmm. the, the panic was, is come January 1st, 2000, all the computers are going to think it's 1900. It's going to screw everything up. That's correct. That is correct. And um, because of that, uh, this was a worldwide, like, you know, sort of fear that, that was spreading. And some of it was real. Some of it was was sort of made up and trumped up. But um, another element of that was they didn't know what would happen to the damn airplanes or to the air traffic controllers. They were mm-hmm. like... You know, are we are we gonna have a bunch of you know flights just going going dark on us? And um, and because of that, uh, as it turned out, the NFL had games that weekend uh, on that Sunday, I believe, uh, and I'm pretty sure about this that New Year's Eve was on a Friday night, and then there was Saturday, and then the games were on Sunday. Well, typically you have to be in the NFL city 24 hours, just 24 hours before kickoff, which would have meant um, the Bucks were playing the Chicago Bears. And they needed to be there by, you know, I don't know, like 3 p.m. or 4 p.m. on Saturday sometime. Uh, But because of Y2K, the league mandated that each visiting team leave on Friday before Y2K, which was New Year's Eve, uh, and get to their cities, in this case, almost 40 hours or so uh, before kickoff. So... That meant, it, you know, said writer following the team had to go because, I mean, gosh forbid, what if something happened on Y2K? And Dungy, Tony Dungy was a coach then. He thought it was just complete nonsense, right? I mean, here's, <laughs> here's a religious guy. This is not Armageddon. This is not the book of Revelations that I'm used to. You know, the world is not going to end, so I just think it's silly, and he let us know that. Um, but they went on Friday, and so I was covering the Bucks uh, at that time with Ernest Tooper, and... Um, 
one of the greatest negotiations I made with my boss, which I would never be able to do now, which was, hey, look, we're, we have to go on New Year's Eve. And we're in Chicago. And, you know, um, we're going to go out to dinner or something. But, you know, you can't go to these places on New Year's Eve in Chicago without, like, a $50 surcharge. So got a little extra money, a little more allowance um, for our evening. And um, turns out that Ernest Super knew somebody that was an intern at the Times that I had never heard of. And she lived in Chicago. And wouldn't it be cool if we could hook up and maybe she could tell us where to go on New Year's Eve? That woman is now my wife. Aw. Yeah. Met her on Y2. So like, 20 years no, ago. 20 years ago last 20 night years you ago. met her. That's correct. No romantic involvement at that time whatsoever. Um, you know, she, we were just like completely plutonic friends at that time. But as a, the next year went by, we started to see each other in different places. And lo and behold, yeah, she's the mother of my two children. So two of my children. So it's, uh, yeah, there's my Y2K story. So don't you all feel better now uh, that we brought that up. Anyway, we do have your mailbag questions. I know uh, um, that there's a lot of them on the bucks, obviously, as you can tell by our lead-in. So let's get to it. Well, we'll start. And I, there's kind of two questions because they kind of are uh, kind of opposites. But Steve asks, do you think this year's for Bruce Arians was a fool me once season, meaning fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. But John asks, would Bruce Arians give Jameis another year because releasing him would be the equivalent of admitting failure as the quarterback whisperer? It's almost easier to take the second one first. Um, uh, that would not be a reason why he would keep Jameis Winston. Um, there are a lot of a lot of reasons. That that might be one on the list, but I don't think it's a good one. Um, look, what I know about Bruce Arians is this. He's won the Coach of the Year twice in this league. Uh, he's coached for 40-something years. I really don't believe that he is worried about criticism or someone seeing him or viewing him as a failure because his resume is already set. Before he came here, he could take credit to some degree for the careers of, you know, Ben Roethlisberger, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, um, Carson Palmer, uh, you know, all those kind of guys. And so if Jameis Winston didn't hit it, you know, under Bruce Arians, everybody's, you know, for the most part is going to say, well, it's not the coach. He's done this before. It's got to be the player. And that's different than what it's been at one buck place in the past. In the past, if the coach didn't get it done, he, he had to be at fault and he was going to get fired. Now, I think people recognize we're you know we have a legit expert coach of the year here, um, so you know would he would he not move on and do what's best for the team, what's best for him to win, because he doesn't want to be viewed as a failure? Like that would be some scar on his on his resume. What's going to be a scar on his resume is if they don't win, okay? And if he believes that another quarterback gives him a better chance to win, or that re-signing Shaq Barrett and all the all the free agents we've mentioned instead of Jameis gives them a better chance to win, then that's what he's going to do. Bruce Arians has a lot of swag, man. He is not intimidated. He is not afraid to move on. Uh, I'm just telling you. And so for that matter, let's go to the first question. Do you think this was Bruce Arians' fool me once season? And then, of course, fool me twice, shame on me. I don't think that Bruce knew exactly what to expect. Uh, you know, he heard the stories. He, you know, he knew why he was here to clean up the turnovers. He saw talent. When he looked at Jameis Winston, he saw a guy that worked really, really hard, uh, a guy he knew since the eighth grade and all that sort of thing. And I can't imagine in his wildest dreams, having watched how this unfolded, 
that Bruce Arians thought, you know, that Jameis Winston was going to throw 30 touchdowns or 30 interceptions, 33 touchdowns, but 30 interceptions. So, you know, the fact that he did it, I think it's more about, you know, can we live with this? Do we think we can make it better? Or, uh, you know, am I a good enough coach to take another quarterback and win with this team because we think we have a good football team? I think it's the latter. Um, I, I don't, I don't think Bruce will move on, you know, because he doesn't want to be fooled again. I think he'll do it because he's confident that whoever he brings in uh, with this football team, he can win with. Um, so it's kind of a long way of saying that those two things I don't agree really with with either, either of them. I know why the perception will be that, that he was a failure. And I even said that to him the other day. I go, you know, you essentially were brought here for one purpose. And it wasn't for Jameis to throw for 5,000 yards. It wasn't for him to, you know, to reset the record for touchdown passes. It was, can you get him to cut down on turnovers? And from that aspect alone, just that one thing, it was an epic fail. Jameis got better in other areas, the deep ball, taking sacks, throwing the ball away, those sort of things. But in the one area that he needed to fix, it was actually a worse, uh, his worst season ever. So um, that's, that's disappointing for them. All right, Malik asks, what do the Bucks do if Jameis Winston starts next season, throws 10 interceptions in the first three to four games, which he says is a realistic possibility? Do they lose another season, or do they finally cut the cord? I can't see them letting him go for nothing this offseason. Well, you, you, for nothing, you don't own his rights. I mean, this is not a situation where you're cutting a player and you get nothing for him. This is a situation where the player doesn't have a contract. So for you to protect your rights and then – if you wanted to trade him down the road or whatever, um, you have to first sign him to a new deal. He doesn't have a contract. So to the questioner's, you know, sort of picture there that he painted, let's say that they bring Jameis back under some some way, right? He's either franchised or does does a short-term deal, whatever. So he's the quarterback. And he starts out, and in short order, say three, four games, he throws 10 or 12 interceptions. Why wouldn't Bruce Arians just keep him in there and let him do what he's going to do because they're all in with the quarterback? Um, that will not happen. I can tell you that if Jameis Winston comes back, I'm confident as all get out in this. And we may disagree about the quality of the backup. But but I will tell you that if he comes back, you will not see Bruce Arians stand up there and say, this is Jameis's team. We ride and die with Jameis. You will see another quarterback who has played before, much like the John Robinson model, of the GM, you know, with uh, the Tennessee Titans. They went out and got Ryan Tannehill, was a former first-round pick with the Dolphins, kind of a journeyman quarterback, uh, and they had somebody behind Marcus Mariota if he fell. Um, and so from that that standpoint, if, he's, if he were on the team and he were to start with 10 or 12 interceptions early, you can bet whoever they decide to bring in here that has played before uh, I'd be willing to say that you know he's going to have a very short leash, and that other quarterback will be starting. Well, less kind of it's kind of a follow up to this, but mm-hmm. he says I've heard you mention that they're going to bring in someone next year to challenge Jameis Winston. If the Bucks have to franchise him, can they really afford to pay a quality backup ten million per year? That would be about twenty percent of their cap on just the quarterback position. It's a great question, and I don't I, look when I say bring in a quality backup. I mean maybe better than you know Blaine Gabbert and or Ryan Griff, Griffin. I mean I I don't know where that leaves you know 
the middle ground there financially. I really don't. I mean, I could, you know, pop up a bunch of names and I would just be speculating on all of them. But you raise a good point that if, you know, if Jameis Winston gets a big deal, how much can you spend on the backup quarterback? Um, and the answer is not much. Uh, so, you know, all of that has to be worked out. Um, you know, maybe it's a guy that's, you know, on his way up or on his way down. Maybe you draft a quarterback and you have somebody sort of bridging in between if Jameis gets hurt or if he doesn't perform uh, before you get to your rookie, you know, in the first eight or nine games. I mean, there's a lot of ways you can do this thing, but but they're right in that you only have so much to spend at the quarterback position. And if that number, if Jameis has to be franchised and that number is $27 million, it does affect, the, you know, the quality of a backup that you can get. But it doesn't mean that you wouldn't play him, you know. Uh, and hell, even if it was Blaine Gabbert, you've got to go into it next year saying, if this guy goes out there and starts throwing the ball away, we're playing the next guy. We don't care. We, you know, we are not going to sit here and watch this happen to us again. Jeff asks, the Bucks' defense is rounding into shape, and they have many pieces on offense. Which would be a bigger disservice to the team and or the fans next season? Starting over with a rookie quarterback, starting over with a retread quarterback, or bringing back turnover machine Jameis Winston? <laughs> well, see, he tainted the jury box right there. <laughs> because, because I believe he said, bringing back the turnover machine Jameis Winston. So I think he's trying to get me to lean that way just a bit, don't you? Um your Honor, this is a this is a unfair question. Objection. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Noted. Um, what would be the bigger disservice? I don't think it would be start. I, it may depend on who rookie, the rookie quarterback is, or who. Yeah, the I was going to say. Is. I mean, th- that's that's the key. That's really the key here because those are the two things that I think are the biggest. I, I mean, disservice is a tough word. The the only goal is to win, okay? So you're doing a disservice if you if you don't do anything that you think will help you win. In other words, if you're convinced Jameis Winston is not going to be better, that you know he's not going to significantly cut down in turnovers, then you're better off sort of moving on. But uh, if it was the right rookie quarterback, I mean, Bruce said it the other day. He goes, I'm not afraid of coaching rookies. I'm not afraid of playing them if it's the right guy. Now, picking 14th overall, eh, eh. Not sure you're going to get the right guy. As far as a retread goes, again, um, if you get the right, you know, no one, I promise you, when Marcus Mariota was up there in Tennessee and they told Marcus, Marcus, this is your team. We still want you to go out there and play as if it's your team. We are going to have competition for you. And and just want you to know, if you stumble, you know, we're going to play another guy. And they went out and got Ryan Tannehill. And nobody, I think, in Tennessee said, ooh, Ryan Tannehill. You know, they're doing a real disservice to us by, by bringing in this backup quarterback. What's wrong with them? But you know what? As soon as Mariota faltered, you know, Tannehill went in and he's got his team in the postseason. Um, you know, so, you know, it's it's one of those things. I don't think it's an insult to do any of those things. I think the harder sell, I will say this, for at least half the fan base, if not more, the harder sell would be to say, yeah, you know what? We'll, we're going to do this Jameis thing again. We're all in. We think he'll cut down. Believe us, don't believe us, but that's what we're doing. That's a hard sell. That, that to me, would be the hardest thing to try to do. Well, as you always say, have the press conference. Yeah, it's tough. 
It's really so tough. You announce you've franchised or signed, Jameis. Mm-hmm. What's the What's the first question? How? Did, what, why? What yeah. What makes you think this will be different? He threw thirty interceptions last year, and what happens if he starts on that track again? What's your plan? You know. Aren't you tired of the debate? Like we won't know anything until the you know, until they start playing games for real. So, yeah, that they're all they're all uneasy, and it's a tough sell if you were to go somewhere else and somebody were to answer those questions about his interceptions because that's the only narrative that's attached to him now. He hasn't won, and when you don't win, people want to know what you're about. Well, you know what? He puts up a lot of numbers and he throws a ton of interceptions. Uh, he led the league in passing this year, threw 33 mm-hmm. touchdowns, and got two receivers into the Pro Bowl. Mm-hmm. With a suspect running game mm-hmm. and a average offensive line. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, that's I what mean, he did. I mean, that, there's, he, I mean, that's 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 how you're going to sell. Mm-hmm. Sell bringing him back or signing him somewhere else. Right. You just got to emphasize the positive, and everybody's going to come back to that number thirty, and you're going to go, "Look, mm-hmm. I, I mean, we're not going to let that happen again." I'm here to tell you that. When he has, if he has one of those games or two of those games, he won't see the field, and I, and you're gonna have to have somebody that they still kind of think can play, you know, like Ryan Fitzpatrick could play a little bit, like Tannehill could play a little bit. You gotta have someone um, ready in the wings. But yeah, I think that's the way you do it. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Grant asks, I know the Bucks have cap space, but is there any way the Bucks can realistically bring back Shaq Barrett, Jason Pierre-Paul, Levante David, and Jameis Winston? Hmm. The answer is probably yes. Again, I don't want to get into salary cap weeds too deep here, but they're supposed to have $85, $90 million under the salary cap, but that's an accounting principle, right? Like, that doesn't mean you have a finite amount of money to spend, and it's this $90 million. What you do is you can amortize these contracts over the length of the deals, right? So if I get a, uh, you know, a, uh, an eight million, if I get a four-year $8 million deal, it's going to be $2 million a year. It's not $8 million, right? So um, that's what I mean. And because of that, they got a lot of flexibility. As far as Shaq Barrett, they've said he's not leaving Tampa. And frankly... If you let him get out there, you very well may not get him back. So I think they're going to have to either pay an extraordinary amount of money to Shaq in hopes that he signs the contract, or they're going to have to use their franchise, you know, their franchise tag on him. Um, Jason Pierre-Paul just completed a remarkable season, one which you know they voided his last year, and they they kind of structured it so that as he played, he could recoup you know a good portion of of, of the money. Um, and he wound up making $9.5 million. Now, is he going to make $9.5 million next year? I don't know. But the guy had eight and a half sacks, and he missed six games with, you know, with the injury. Um, so he absolutely – they said they said on Monday he's a priority. Jason, Jason Pierre-Paul, Shaq Barrett, and on top of that, Indomitian Sioux are priorities. 
So they want to re-sign all those guys. You know, to some degree, Nassib, I didn't hear his name as much, um, but those three for sure. As far as Levante David goes, he's under contract. So, you know, you could change his cap number, but you'd have to sign him to an extension, which they're actually interested in doing. Even though he's in the final year of his deal, you know, if he was Gerald McCoy like last year that was due to make $13 million, they said bye-bye. In the case of Levante David, they love Levante David, and they should because he's probably the most consistent player they've had in this franchise in years. Over 1,000 tackles in his career. I mean, go on and on. Um, Levante may get an extension, you know, which would help the cap number from $10 million and, and bring it down. Um, but I absolutely think that uh, I actually think that he'll be back, and that'll be a huge, a huge help to a guy like Devin White as well. All right, before we go further, Carl asks, and this is a good question for people to know, but what is the timetable for free agency, putting tags on players, um, when you have to let Jameis know? Well, Jameis is a free agent, what, March 11th, 12th, 13th, wherever that, that NFL year ends. But what is the dates for the other thing? Is everything basically at the end of the league year, or do you have to do things beforehand? All right, yeah, it's all kind of in the same time. Um, starting March 10th, um, that's the date to designate a franchise or transition player. So if they are going to franchise James Winston, they don't have a long-term deal or a short-term deal or any deal worked out by then. If they want to protect his rights, they have to apply a tag to him. Um, and then, you know, there's this, what we call the legal tampering period, March 16 through 18, where teams can contact the agents of potential free agents and begin negotiating deals, although not, not, not consummating them, not signing them, uh, just of yet, um, and then, you know, by March 18th, um, basically, you have until 4 p.m., um, you know, before you can start executing contracts. And the, the new league year begins on March 18th at, at 4 p.m., and you start signing players. So that's that's sort of what it comes down to. It's all sort of in that window. Um, but, we, you know, they have a couple months to actually slap a tag um, on Jameis or on Shaq Barrett or whatnot, and that gives you that's an that's an adequate enough time to negotiate with their agents. It really is. And if they, you know, can strike a deal, um, they will. Uh, if they don't, those guys get out there, and you just don't know if you're going to get them back. All right, Les asked a couple questions on a couple players, and if they'll be back on the team next year. First, is OJ Howard on the team next year? He's either in the doghouse or Arians' offense hasn't doesn't have a use for a six foot six athletic tight end. Seems like the Bucks could trade him if they aren't going to use him. They could trade him. Um, I think he's too big of a talent to do that with just yet. I, I do agree that you know Bruce Arians' system doesn't make good use of the tight end. I also would agree that there was something off about OJ this year, and I can't can't put my finger on it. Um, you know, it might just be the combination of the new coaching staff, and you know, a lot, does a lot of inline blocking didn't have a lot of opportunities to run routes in, in the first place. Uh, his third year in the league, maybe he took some shortcuts in the offseason. I mean, none of those things do I know for a fact. But, um, you know, I'm also I'm also not ready to put him in the doghouse to the extent that, like, they want to just get him out of here at any cost. Uh, I, he has so much value because of his pedigree, uh, because of the kind of person he is, his work ethic, all that. And to be honest with you, even though I I do think something was off, uh, you know, a little bit about about OJ, I also think it's on the play caller. I thought it was a real failure of Byron Leftwich to sort of figure out a way to get this guy involved early and often and, and sort of 
stimulate him as a player. You know, John Gruden used to say that all the time, you know, that players get stale and you can't explain what they got going on at home or anything like that. But John was like, you know, I got to absolutely stimulate these guys. I got to stimulate these guys into playing great. And he believed that. And so, you know, it's up to Bruce to to get the most out of O.J. Howard. He's trade material if they're not going to use him, but then who are their tight ends right at that point? Um, Tanner Hudson, you know, Cameron Brait. Uh, we can talk about Cameron, and he's got a big, you know, guaranteed portion of his contract due at the start of the league year, and if they don't pay it, he's a free agent. So I, I don't know exactly where they stand on him, um, but that certainly would affect their, you know, their willingness to, to part with O.J. Howard if they simply don't have any tight ends. But you never say never. And, um, you know, I, I, I think OJ was in the doghouse a little bit, but I also think he'll be given every opportunity to, uh, to be the player that they, they know he can be. All right. Les also asked, is Peyton Barber on this team next year? And if not, then the Bucks probably need to sign a restricted or a free agent running back. Who do you think that could be? You know, I, I haven't looked at the free agent uh, running backs. I'll be honest with you. Um, we can do that another time for sure. But I would say this about Peyton Barber. They like him. Um, you know, he, he has a role, he's a role player. He's not a feature back. We're done with that experiment. Um, you know, he's a guy they use a lot, uh, you know, on the goal line, they use a lot coming out when they're backed up in the goal line. Um, but Ronald Jones, you know, is the number one tailback on this football team. And yet, you know, you know, he didn't rush for a hundred yards. So my, my guess is, um, and, and Jones had trouble picking up blitzes he had trouble with the playbook he had trouble right um my guess is you're going to see a running back either signed as a free agent or drafted on this football team and i know they're all going to sing the praises of of rojo and, and and all that but i don't i don't think that they're without sort of trying to upgrade that position so where barber fits into that equation right now he's number two back everybody will move down a peg we'll have to wait and see but yeah i I tend to think that uh, they'll be looking heavily at running backs at some point in the draft. I'm not sure just when. Mike asks, what has been Jason Light's philosophy on building a roster that can compete for championships, and what is his strategy moving forward? Well, I mean, his philosophy early on was to build around a quarterback, and I think that's obvious based on his you know, free agent signings and who he drafted. I mean, you know, when you have Jameis Winston and in the same draft class you draft – Donovan Smith and Ali Marpet, um, you know, those are, you know, that, that's, that's not an accident. Um, so his philosophy, uh, once he built around Jameis, I think it fell down because I think they, they ignored the defense for too long. And I think that's why, you know, Mike Smith was grasping at straws. That'll hurt your football team. You're going to be as good on, on offense as you want to be, but you're going to have to make those leads, you know, hold up. So, I think right now his philosophy. Uh, there's a couple of them. One is draft six foot corners. <laughs> uh, don't get any short guys uh, that can cover these big tall receivers. Um, you know that's certainly one. And the other one is, I think they've kind of shifted to, you know, from guys with huge upsides, okay, versus guys that they just know are very, very, very good players um, in college. I think sometimes when you see you know, you reach and you see a guy like maybe Noah Spencer. You see guys that had pedigree, you know, in college or in coming out of high school, and you, you think that'd be intriguing. That's great. Um, but at some point, and I think the Bucks have begun to do this, you got to take production over potential. And 
I think Jason Light and certainly Bruce Arians has had an effect on that. You know, the kind of the kind of free agents you can acquire. I mean, all that's important. So uh, there's not a stated philosophy, um, and it's changed with each head coach that he has. But you're basically trying to line up the sort of players that that particular coach feels he needs for his scheme, and they have to be good communicators with you to know which player fits or not. And I and I think the BA have worked before together on that. And I think they're working well together on it again. Some great mailbag questions, as always. You don't have to wait for a mailbag. You can hit us up anytime if you want to on Twitter at SportsDayTV. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. Tomorrow we'll have Chris Torello, the lovely, the talented from Bay News 9, Spectrum Sports 360. And also uh, enjoy all the bowl games today. Happy New Year, everybody. 